Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Scottish Indie Podcast. Tonight I'm delighted to welcome along Michael and Zach from the band Dictator. Guys, how's it going? All good, Andy, mate. Thank you for having us. Yeah, good man, good man. Nice to be here. It's an absolute pleasure to have you both. Uh, and we'll start with a, a rather simple question. For those who haven't heard Dictator, how would you describe the band? Uh, so, Dictator, we are a, a four-piece from West Lovian. I like to de- describe us as Indietronica, right? Which is honestly just a, a tagline that makes people a wee bit more interested. But ultimately, we're just al- alternative rock with a bit of atmosphere. Um, and uh, we, we pull influences from all different genres as well. So we're a wee bit of a, a genre mashup band. Um, but but the core of it, we're just an indie rock band. And obviously, it's been a, it's been a difficult year for for everyone. I don't want to kind of go over the, the obvious question of how the how's the pandemic treated you or anything like that. But it's been a, a very busy time for the band. The, in the last week, Hide and Seek was released, and it seems to have went down a, a storm, which must be exceptionally pleasing for for everyone involved in the band. <laughs> can, can I just can I just say I had a phone call with Michael last week. Um, and I said to him, I was like, look, mate, then you get your hopes up, right? This is a long song, and I don't know if it's going to get a particularly great response. Like, we love the song, so that's all that really mattered. And I'm just going to say right now, Michael, I'm happy to eat my words, because <laughs> it's definitely outperformed what we were expecting so far. <laughs> nah, Zach just doesn't like a long song, you see. He worries, he worries what the response will be. Logic, the logic is sound, right? The smaller, <laughs> the, 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 the less time the song lasts, the more likely you're going to get like streams and plays, because people will likely repeat it. But... Mate, everybody loves a long song. <laughs> but no, it's, the thing is, right, so here's a stat for you. Talking about COVID, which nobody wants to do, is that we've been a band longer in lockdown than we have now, right? And that's brutal. But as a result, we've actually played, like, very few gigs. And we've released quite a lot of songs. So actually, the weirdest thing is, is when we get back to gigging, is that we're going to have a full kind of catalogue of songs we've released. Whereas normally when you're starting out gigging, nobody really knows your stuff. You know what I mean? You maybe release one song on Spotify or people have maybe heard you because they've been to a few gigs. Where there is, what will likely happen is the majority of people who have heard us, if they come along to our first show, they'll know like our full set. And that's mad. That doesn't normally happen. But they kind of testament to how we've just, we've just continued releasing as if we weren't in lockdown. right? And hide and seek, the response to that's been amazing. Like better than I think we could ever have hoped. And that's just testament to the fact that like, we're no like you, know, you didn't just get like one song once a year for us, you know what I mean? We're trying, we're trying to at least if people are really liking the music, we're like, well, we need to keep releasing it. You know what I mean? We need to keep getting better, and hopefully by the time we get back to gigging and things like that, it'll actually just make it better. Absolutely, and I was speaking to to Zach before we started this, and I mentioned that I'd spoken to a few bands who have said that the pandemic, or as someone put it brilliantly the other day, the global bastard. <laughs> as, as, as connecting people and bands with their fans on a, a perhaps a deeper level the fact is they've got a bit more time in their hands to be listening to music so maybe a, a long song is actually ideal because we've got that much time in our hands just now <laughs> and we want to pass an extra couple of minutes it's just a wee bit closer to bedtime if you do <laughs> absolutely man no, quite right I think it's almost giving people the opportunity to listen to more music and in that case people were, and bands are seeing their the fan base swell as a result the, the fact they've got more time they're checking out more new music and maybe you guys have benefited from that and you'll also see the benefit at the other end when it comes back to to gigs opening up which will be in the hopefully in the not too distant future that you've acquired so many fans through this and you've also been able to communicate and I don't know, almost build up a friendship with quite a lot of these fans that's a fair uh, point and see, see to be fair as well we've had to challenge ourselves because the way that you interact with fans normally uh, is, is at gigs and like, you know, I mean, you meet people, like, for instance, like, if you were maybe at a gig and we were on the bill and you were like, I like that band, I'm going to go see them or I'm going to go and listen to them, right? That's not happening. And so we've had to really up our social media presence and we've kind of divvied up how we normally do it as a band and Zach's been phenomenal on Twitter and you're no doubt have seen the kind of interaction that we do, but I actually think it's, it's, it's also testament to the fact that you have to start engaging with people in different ways, whereas you can actually hide behind 
like no being active on social media just by being purely active as a band so going away and doing loads of gigs you're just like oh we're playing this show we're playing this show we're playing this show but you rarely get any interaction beyond we're a band we're playing a gig and it's actually been good because it's it's you almost have to rise to the challenge of well no actually we want to talk about shit <laughs> like we want to talk about other shit i we make we make music but also what do you think of this you know what i mean that's definitely been a, a slight silver lining to the to everything that's happened over the the past year and so the the Twitter community especially has has been it's been a, a godsend for us I think and it's something that we would would never have recognised I don't think if we were still at gigging and didn't have the time to start uh, engaging with that that sort of fan base I, I don't really like calling them a fan base because it's like you feel like some of these people are are friends for life and you've never even met them it's mad but they, they've 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 been like in a constant interaction with us as a band for the past, you know, seven, eight, nine months. So it's they're they're more fan. They I guess they are our fan base, but it feels like more than that now. Yeah, and you can imagine myself personally. There's been points where I've had dips during coronavirus, and it just felt like it's just you lack inspiration, you lack motivation, and I think that I pinpoint certain songs and certain bands that have helped me through and I can see from the way that people react to, to your stuff on Twitter and then the reaction to, to Hide and Seek especially your music's helping people through some really dark times that must be pretty mind-blowing to be fair for me that's what it's all about man uh, Michael do you think did you ever think that your music was re- would resonate with people the way that Hide and Seek seems to be so far no, I really didn't. You hope it's really weird, man. So like, I, I don't know. Do, do you write music at all, mate, or are you just like? Do I don't. You know, no, I, I just nah. talk shit about it in a regular. Nice, basis. man. <laughs> I do a bit of both. Mostly talk shit about it as well. But uh, <laughs> it's really, really hard to explain, right? But whenever you write a song, you never, you, you like, you never know how it is, no matter what you write. And the first time, the first bit of reaction that you get is obviously the rest of the band and stuff like that. But you never go in and see the mere personal a song is, and like it's really, you, you, I don't know. It's just like you're kind of you really hope that it resonates with people. And so see when it does, and people actually give you things like that, and like say it really helps them and stuff. Yeah, it, it's mind blowing to the point where you're not, you don't entirely know what to like how to react because <laughs> you're just like that's mad it's like I'm, I'm like unbelievably proud that people like it you know what i mean and it's like it's just amazing and it, that's to me is the whole point of doing what we're doing is that when people like your songs or they react in an emotional way that's doesn't matter <laughs> like you know what i mean it doesn't matter about anything else it's like well we're, we're kind of onto the right track here if that's how people feel about it um, but I honestly couldn't believe just some of the response that we've had uh, for something like that. So no, I'm chuffed to bits. And through Twitter, I can see a, a hell of a lot of airplay as well for hide and seek, which again completely dispels Zach's opinion about the, the long <laughs> songs not going down. With. <laughs> uh, I, it's been it's been really really incredible, man. We've we can't announce it yet, but I think we're we're hopefully getting some. Uh, some some major radio uh, airplay this weekend as well. So it's, and that was a big one. I thought, you know what, no major radios are going to play us any song that's over sort of five minutes. But if that goes out, if that actually happens, then I, Michael, feel free to write as long a song as you want. Next time. <laughs> we'll be we'll be the Pink Floyd, the second Pink Floyd. <laughs> that's what we'll be like. Just fifteen minute songs or nothing. <laughs> what, what's that feeling like to? Thomas, have, have un, untested material, if you like, going out and then to hear that the radio stations are picking it up. That I can only imagine the, the thrill of that in, in terms of you've, you've got the nerves and the uncertainty of putting a personal song like that out there and you're just waiting for the reaction. It, it, could, be, it could be anything really, it's uh, so unknown. And then you've got DJs picking it up and putting it to their platform because they clearly like it so much as well. It's it's it's, it's really it must be so exhilarating. It is, man. And see, the thing is, you, as I say, you don't really know how we how we react to it. You know what I mean? Like it's mental. And as you say, you just feel like really proud, but at the base, it just really happy. I'm just really happy that people kind of like it, and it's almost like in some way validation that 
you're no, it's no shite. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's just that way of like, well, actually, like, people like it, like, people picking it up. And, but I never, like, we, we've released quite a few, like, songs and stuff like that. And each time, each time something happens, like, radio play or, like, someone picks it up. I mean, like, Robert Carlyle tweeted about one of the songs and, like, that was a big deal. And it's mad, man. You just, like, you, it's hard to take it in. It's really hard to take it in. And actually, what normally happens is like, see right now, we might, as Zach said, we might be getting major airplay, um, but like we got we got on BBC Scotland with the last release, and it was unexpected. We didn't know we were getting played, and I just stuck it on and just listened to it for two hours. It's actually on Instagram. It's one of the highlights, and uh, I was just eating my dinner. I was just eating, uh, eating an Indian takeaway, and uh, they they just popped. They were just like, and this next one with Dictator, and my my like. My, I was just like, my jaw dropped. I was like, what? That's right. Oh my god! You still get an unbelievable buzz, just like because, like, when we were in school, if you were on BBC Scotland, if we were getting played on BBC Scotland, that was us. We've made it, <laughs> and like, and now like you're you're hearing some of the other radio stations that are likely to play it, and people that are picking it up, adding it to like Charlie Ashcroft, adding it to his playlist and stuff, and you're just sitting here going, this is mad, this is mad because. But you won't made it. <laughs> it, just, it. It spurs you on, honestly. You're just like, oh man, I hate to go and get on BBC One, uh, BBC Radio One next, and all that. It's so, it's so mental. You're just really glad that the song's doing well, but it pushes you to get even more the next time. It's, it's weird. And why not? We're getting to a stage where, and I said it's that this will we'll not mention the pandemic very much, but everything kind of links up to it just now. But the glimmers of light are showing gigs, hopefully on the horizon. And the opportunity to to play music to the people that have listened through these difficult times, received the music so well, that must be an itch that you're desperate to scratch as well and get out there and, and get back gigging. I am. I'm definitely uh, missing the live shows. I, I'm not, you know, I'm just missing gigs in general, not even playing them that much. I just, I, I miss the, the exhilaration of just going to a gig. Um, I cannot wait till I can finally just get to one. CC in the scenes, uh, there's a Blossoms and the, the Lavums and Zuzu and stuff in Liverpool last weekend. Just seeing those scenes, mate, I could have cried. It was absolutely beautiful just seeing like that this is a possibility in, in the near future again, man. But um, in terms of in terms of gigs, we cannot wait to start playing, but we're still playing it quite cautious at the moment because we you know we don't know what we still don't know what's going to happen. So um, so we're trying not to get our hopes up again. That's funny as well, mate. That's like a big thing. I don't want to take folks' money and then have to reschedule and like then have to like maybe refund loads of people. And money's tight now for a lot of people. And I just don't think it's fair until we know a hundred percent for sure to be like, right, we are definitely playing this show. And if you spend the the tenor or whatever the ticket is, um, then you you'll definitely be there. If you know what I mean. There's none of this like, oh, we might reschedule it for a day that doesn't suit you. And I just think we're really cautious about that. Like fair play to bands who are doing it and stuff, but I just it I just want to hold off until we know for sure. Because there's no I mean we've been twelve months of foot gigs. So there's no rush to try and get folk to sign up and pay. If anything, it'll probably be a few socially distanced shows and that'll be the kind of test in the water and stuff. But I really want the first show we go we get back to be to be a big one, to be a really, really good one, you know what I mean? No, absolutely. I think the, the other thing is it it can be a wee bit of a, a stumbling block. There's five or six gigs that I've got coming up some point in the future, I hope. Mm-hmm. The the amount of times that they've been postponed and and as you say, it's it's a lot of money to be out of for, for quite some time. Uh, and you do get to the point where you consider I'm as well just taking the refund just now, taking the hit, uh, and the booking fees and such like and and I'll book it further down the line because I don't really want to suffer the disappointment of getting to August, September and then seeing it's cancelled again. And and that's, I think that's been one of the most frustrating things I, I completely get. I'm a big football fan as well and I'm desperate to get back into football stadiums. But at the, at the same time, would you really be that desperate to go with, with nobody there or to have no away fans or to be sitting there with 200 other people? Possibly not. It's, it's kind of we have to we have to treat it as as serious as it has been taken through the first year and a bit and get back back gradually but just like you're saying Zach watching that uh, gig in Liverpool it did whet the appetite for, 
yeah, for yeah. more of that sort of stuff. But I, I think that was a, a really expensive venture that the it was the guy from Leeds and Redden Festival put on, didn't he? Oh, was it? Uh, didn't know that. I, I think that was maybe just a a wee bit of a power play to to show that these things can go ahead and and there not to be any consequences of it. But it's a difference between testing five thousand people going into to a tent for a night and then having seventy thousand people camping in a field for a weekend. Uh, I, I think you might have a, a bit of an issue trying to to dust, excuse me, <laughs> to justify that. Mate, there could be worse things than COVID brewing in those campsites as well, I'm telling you. I've, I've been in a few of them. <laughs> You've ever seen me in the neck of uh, I'm on a Monday after a, a music festival. Uh, COVID would be the least of your concerns. <laughs> so that that kind of puts my answers. My next question was the last gig at Sneaky Pete's at the end of February last year? That's in Newcastle, mate. Uh, so we went... Uh, our own show, the last one with Sneaky Pete's, and the week before we got chucked into lockdown, we were actually down in uh, Newcastle. Um, what was the name of the venue again, Zach? Do you mind? The, the Head of Steam, I think it was. Head of Steam, aye. Uh, down in Newcastle with Mark Sharp and the Bicycle Thieves. Um, and then it was like, that was on the Saturday. Saturday night we were in Newcastle. And then Mark Sharp and Bicycle Thieves got added. They were like... So they, he's really quite good pals with Lewis Capaldi, and he was like the the Lewis Capaldi support slot pulled out uh, like a week or two before, and he's like, "You want to jump on a support slot?" So obviously you're not going to say not to that. And uh, so we so we were supposed to have a big piss up in Newcastle on that Saturday, and they were like, "Listen, boys, we can. You've got to keep fresh and stuff like that." Um, and we we're like, "No, that sound." And then they got to like kind of I think it was about maybe after we're having a couple of pints anyway, and like. You boys want on the, the guest list for like for the after party and that up at Lewis Capaldi's gig. So we were like down in Newcastle, all working on Monday, going like, should we go up to Aberdeen the morning night, book an Airbnb with pretty much the same clays on and just see what happens? And everybody was like, Aye. <laughs> like, abs- absolutely, there's nothing bad that's gonna happen with that. Poor Zach was like uh, poor Zach drove us up. And drove us back home, but uh, it was to be fair a way to celebrate like the last gig before <laughs> lockdown. Class, like I look back and I'm like, that was amazing. I'm so glad we done it because honestly, I think as well. See if we'd known what we know now back then, as in like we wouldn't be getting a gig for like another year. I reckon I'd have booked a week off work and just stayed up in Aberdeen <laughs> and just just went to absolute town. And the, the, what about this? The gig at Sneaky Pete's though, in terms of headlining a a venue relatively locally and, and just kind of seeing the the momentum the band were building up, but it must have felt at that point that you were you were really pushing in the right direction. I think it was when when we actually stepped on stage and seen like I've seen Sneaky Pete sold out before, but like we must have been over capacity because it was packed from wall to wall and the, back to the front sort of thing. Before it, I think we'd went out for dinner or something like that. So we had to watch watch the the crowds building up, and the the gig had they sold out. I don't think. So no, it had me. So uh, we so we cocked up the tickets, right? Uh, right. So we had the. So it was over capacity. It was not. It was definitely <laughs> over capacity. Because the thing is, what happens is sometimes like people just like when you try to sell out a venue, selling out a venue is like the holy grail. Right, and that's what record labels and all that look for, and they're just like, right. So if you sell out venues, they're like, right, well, you know, that's what you hate to do. So sometimes, sometimes bands can make up some numbers, right? Not saying everybody does it, not saying it's common, but there's ways around selling out the capacity, right? Chuck like sixty folk on the guest list, ta-da! You've only got about forty tickets to sell, right? And so it's things like that. So we we didn't do any of that, right? We never had like 10, 10 folk on the guest list, like bloggers and um, that people would just invite along, like family and friends and stuff. Um, and then we we had like pre-sale tickets. So we put up pre-sale tickets and basically you got them for a discounted rate and then you had the general sale tickets. And so we just were shite at our maths because we <laughs> totally miscalculated how many pre-sale tickets we had. And so we were like, ah, oh, like boys, hopefully we sell it out on the night. See what happens. <laughs> like we were sitting in Chiverino's in Edinburgh. Chiverino's slice having a wee pizza. And we're sitting there, and I'm sure we had like 
it was like just tallying up the numbers. So we had like a wee like a wee sheet and we're just like, right, so there's like seventy for general sale, there's like ten or fifteen on the guest list, we've got this amount that this boy sold, we've got this. And then it was like we were just sitting there like, Ah oh, well we're on about we're maybe on about a hundred, so we should be fine. And then there was like forty pre sale tickets. <laughs> and we were like, Oh shit. And because because we were like, oh no, like fuck it, fuck it, we're gonna be able to get in and stuff like that. So we hadn't we'd actually sold it out before we realised. And I'm sure the capacity in sneakies after you take off the guest list is genuinely about eighty or ninety folk. It's no like it's no hundreds or it might even be like a hundred, but we were we were well over, man. And to be fair, it was quality. But not <laughs> not something you should be, and actually it's probably against health and safety regulations. But uh, it was amazing, man. And obviously because it's local, that's like I mean we're we're for West Albion, but Edinburgh's closer, and that that is our kind of what we would class as a local show, and it was quality. Uh, the one thing I'm actually really really looking forward to is playing Glasgow, though, like properly playing Glasgow, because um, we've got a lot of people we know through in Glasgow, and the music scene through there is buzzing, and I just can't wait to go through and play it. Is there any venues in particular that you've you've kind of pinpointed as one that you've got to be on that stage? And the hydro mate. Naturally, after that, I was like, nah, did he be, did he be a wido? Nah, we we'd obviously, I think we'd love to at some point play King Touch. I don't know if that'll be the first one that we play, um, but it would be amazing just because it's such a legendary venue. But uh, we we just need to play it by ear, mate, because. It's, it, I've been speaking with some promoters recently actually through in Glasgow but I didn't want to let too much away at the moment so um, but we're just we're just going to have to play it by ear and, until we, we know for sure Not fair play and I possibly deserved that after taking the digs about the six minute song so uh, you come <laughs> back <laughs> Moving it back to the music is it certainly doing like kind of looking at your back catalogue stuff like Anthem for a Doomed Youth you don't shirk away from political issues and you can speak up on really topics that are close to your heart and then you prove that you're capable of pure emotion as well and, and hide and seek the, the latest release bring it back to is there always a, a risk attached by singing about issues that are, are sort of political and, and can cause a stir or do you kind of embrace that that status to be able to, to put something out there that gets people thinking do you want me to take this one, Zach, quickly? Or uh, you, uh, you, you take it, mate. You take so, it. So, uh, right, so, Zach, like, we've, for, from our perspective, we've had chats and stuff. We never go out our way to like be political. Right? The biggest risk with, being, with saying stuff like that and whatever and making a point in their music is you turn people away. So one of the big things for us as well, it's not even political, is that we're Celtic fans. Right? All of us. Now, what do you do there? Do you because then what you're like half half the population in Scotland will be like, "Day wait, listening to these boys," <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, but we are Celtic fans, so we can't hide that. You're, we're not pretending that we're something that we're no. So you might as well embrace it and tell everybody. By the way, we're Celtic fans. Like, that's no. That's obviously not the same as like some of the some of the things that we've talked about and stuff in our songs. But just using that as an example, what would be the point in being all secretive about who we support? What would be the point in that? Because then you're kind of no being yourself. You're not being authentic. You're not being honest, right? And it same kind of filters down to the way that we write our music. And even like Anthem for a Doomed Youth, it is politically charged. And it's just born out of like, like we're right in the middle of uh, voting right now. It might not be when the podcast goes out, but... We are today's the the general the election, um, and I hope you boys voted. But uh, <laughs> I'm a Celtic fan, mate, so I voted for Green. Nah, there you go, exactly. <laughs> Green, mate. Nah, uh, but to be fair, uh, we're in the middle of a voting uh, a vote now. Sorry, um, and quite a lot of people uh, don't want to vote. Right? They just uh, all the parties are, uh, are are just a lot of nonsense, and I don't believe in politics and stuff. But to me, that is sheer and utter ignorance. Right? It is ignorance. It's not naivety. It's ignorance. Because people can't be bothered or can't be asked going and actually checking what their local councillors are doing. They have one specific issue that's close to heart with them or close to home and they just say, ah, fuck all gets done about that. So I'm not voting anybody. You don't know that nothing gets done about that. You don't know what the council's doing. You don't know what your local councillor's doing. You don't know whatever. And for me, I've, listen, I've like kind of really tried to challenge a lot of the views that I hold the last 12 months. 
right? And I was a bit like that when I was just like, ah, assholes and stuff like that. But I don't have a clue. And I, and I was ignorant. And a lot of things have happened between then and now that actually you need to keep challenging your views. And you need to kind of, you need to try and challenge other people's views as well and just understand other people. But at the same time, you can't, eh, like, a lot of the time, it just descends into an argument. A lot of the time, 99% of the time, right? And that's the problem that we face all the time. And when, when you write music, right, the anthem for the Doomed Youth was written, because it was actually written about, I watched a big segment around in London, right? And it was actually, it was more about how they turn, like, they turn, like, just laddies who have been brought up a specific way into criminals by treating them like criminals from the, from the offset. And it was, it's actually about that. And for me, like, the government and stuff like that is really frustrating. The more you read into it, the more frustrating it becomes. But you have to. You have to if you want to try and, you know what I mean, if you want to try and fix things or you want to try and make a difference, you have to learn about it. You kind of just sit there and plead ignorance and then all of a sudden somebody gets voted in or this thing happens or that thing happens and you're like, well, shit, I didn't they know that was happening. You're like, well, no, because you didn't care. You only care about what affects you. And I think that's, it's really difficult, man. But you need to try and weave that into your music or you might as well, if you've got something to say, then you might as well say it. You might like, you didn't need to hide behind anything. That's just just how we feel about when we do it. Is that like well that's who we are. So we might as well incorporate it in. Can I just touch on that, Michael? Because I feel I feel for me uh, as a as a musician as an artist, it's important to have something to say in your music. But I remember when we started at the band, we had this specific conversation about not not about being a political band, but just making sure that everything that we released had to be authentic and genuine. So if you're writing about stuff that's that's in the news or everything that's social or political issues, as long as you mean it, which you you know what I mean, the way that it resonates with the fans, clearly clearly it does, man. Yeah, I think that I think that helps things resonate more with fans as well. That it's, it's something that you believe in and feel passionately about. It's not a kind of it's not as if you're you're wearing your your badge and swinging it about like Morrissey or anything like that it's just it's a it's a proper heartfelt message that in your political and social beliefs in terms of some of the stuff that's been on even in the last five years under Tory rule there's been so much so much just dreadful things that have happened and and we're just meant to stomach it especially uh, Scottish yeah. people uh, and the it's nice to, to see people kind of stand up and, and challenge things. I wouldn't, from from what I, I know of you guys and from following you for the last year or so, I wouldn't say that you're, you're particularly outspoken, but having that belief in, and having opinions and, and voicing them doesn't make you outspoken. It, it, it just makes you passionate about something, and I think that's absolutely fair. Uh in all levels, whether that be about your football team, whether it be about your political beliefs, you're, you're allowed to speak up and be counted for it. It's when it turns nasty uh, and, and social media can be quite bad for that. But you, you seem to have managed to kind of avoid that sort of conflict as well, which must come as a relief. But also, I, I think if it's, it's done in the right way and it's done in a an informed and educated way, then, then most people are going to even if they don't believe in what you're saying, they are yeah. going to at least understand why you're saying it. I think that's the key, by the way, and that's like we don't, we're not offensive in how we come out, like how we put across our views, purely because right. So I'm I'm an SNP voter, right? Yeah, now people like to keep that close to their chest <laughs> for whatever reason. I don't really understand it, right? But I'm an SNP voter. Now, if someone came to me and went, ah, you're an arsehole, or voting SNP, right? I'm not just gonna be like, no, you're an arsehole, because that's just how you decide. Yeah, I mean, like, but actually, I'd be like, can you tell me how? Genuinely, tell me how. Tell me your, tell me your ideas. Tell me what your beliefs are. Tell me, give me arguments and stuff without being an arsehole about it. I just want to talk, and I think that's how we kind of try and put it across. Is it like, look, if someone has a different opinion or a different view of us, we don't just say that you're wrong. We say, let's talk about it. Let's actually chat. Let's actually talk about what we need today. But even on issues that, like, we don't really feel that we can help with, right? So one of the big things is that when we started, and it's been a consistent theme the full way throughout, is, like, at the time when we started, 
there was a couple of comments around females, uh, females, <laughs> uh, female um, acts getting onto festivals, right? Really crass. It was like, oh, lassies just need to pick up the guitar, right? Mere lassies need to pick up the guitar, and that's bullshit because the amount of like the amount of female-only bands or female-led bands that are out there are unbelievable and they're unreal, right? And we, a lot of our favourite bands are female-led or just completely like all female bands, right? And it doesn't matter that they're all female or female-led. It doesn't matter at all. But it's just part of the the way that that the comments kind of came across. We were like, right, okay, well, any time that we do a cover, which is maybe do one a one of a, a gig, why don't we? We're only going to pick female-led songs because just to kind of almost prove that there is a never-ending stream of absolute bangers that you could just pick and choose for, right? And that's that's something that we really talked about at the start. I and mean, we've weaved into how we operate as a band. We don't like sit there and tell everybody all the time that oh, we only do this or like. I mean, it's just to kind of prove that actually. So if anybody did have a chat around that and be like, oh, why is there not? Well, we we challenge it. Like, no, here here's why. You know what I mean? Well, that makes sense, <laughs> right. but it's just that. Uh, Here's all the artists that we've covered that could be headlining. <laughs> no, no, it's a great point. And it is, again, it's something that we discussed before we came on that I've, I've noticed even from the first four or five podcasts I've done that I've been quite wary of the fact that I've not had any female acts on. And, and that's something that I'm, I'm quite keen to address in the next couple of weeks. And that, that's not been something subconscious, but you look on with the a fair degree of frustration when... I could rhyme off 20 bands just now that I would say that are more than deserving of being on a festival lineup, and you still get festival lineups with the same old acts that have played for the last 20 odd years, and, and no women on the, the bill. You think, what, what's going on here? It's, it's just, I, I think the, the hope for a, a 50 50 split is still some way away, but even getting a 10% of the bill or a 20% has to happen. Transmit had to actually turn their hand the other year Aye. where they ended up doing the Queen Touch stage and it was all because of the fact that there, there was no there was no representation on the, the lineup. And uh, how do you excuse that? I think I think excuse it. Exactly. And you also don't want it to be a tick box. You want like the, 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 all the bands that, that like all the female kind of led band, bands and stuff like that, they're there on merit. They're not there because they're female-led or all-female. It's no, you know what I mean? It's no that. It isn't that. And I think that's the real difficulty is that now where we find ourselves is in a really odd situation where actually people are just looking to tick the box and say, right, uh, we, hate, we hate to get like a 50-50 split without actually caring about the music or anything else. And it's just, it's a, how do you, how do you one, talk about it enough to actually make some positive changes? And two, how do you actually, you know what I mean? How do you fix that? And then, like, it'll be, it'll be a wee while before we do, but at least we're all talking about it, which is good. But just didn't want to be blown hot air for no reason. No, it seems, like, it seems like just antiquated attitudes with a lot of the festival because of, because there's, yeah. it's like, it's the same. I, I like a lot of the headliners that they do book, but it's like, Right, they played last year, or they played the year before, and they played a couple of years before that. Like freshen it up a bit. It's kind of like they're, uh, they're I don't know. Safe bet. Aye, exactly. It's a safe bet, mate. Did you see the? Have you seen the Boardmasters lineup? Yeah, that's by far the most diverse one I've seen, and yeah. maybe ever, to be yeah. honest. And it's not really. It's aye, it's diverse, but it just happens to be a banger of a lineup as well. It's nothing really. You know, like oh, that's really good because because they've got some female headliners. No, you're looking at the lineup and going, that's a festival I want to go to. That's it. I don't know why other bigger major festivals can can he do that. How can they not recognise that? Why are you even talking about it? Like you look at that boardmasters. Like you look at that boardmasters thing, and it's like that is class. But then, you, you, why should you? you know what I mean, why should you be sitting there and ah, uh, sis? It's so frustrating. It's really, really frustrating. I, I think the obvious reason we're, we're discussing it is because it is so rare, but I, I do completely yeah. take the flip side of that, that, that this shouldn't be rare, and it's, a, it's clearly something that all three of us are, are quite frustrated by, but addressing the issue is just... Not even addressing the issue, changing the, the status quo, it just seems to be near impossible. and It's going to take someone with a fair degree of of self-belief that will come in and just 
not even turn the industry upside down, but just be brave enough to, to go, this is what I want to do. This is how it should be happening and and see the response. And I genuinely think people would react in such a positive way. Boardmasters have, it's, it's not been a PR thing or anything. Like they have no. picked a, a, a lineup they believe in, but subsequently they've got a lot of good PR because it's such a strong lineup and they have done something that's regarded as brave. And that's because society has kind of, or promoters and bookers have kind of shunned yeah. or shied away and, and taken the safe option time and time again. So fair play, Boardmasters, and I hope that that goes down an absolute storm and it'll pave the way. That might just be the change that that we need. We'll we'll take it off this for, for a wee minute. And yeah, well, it's funny, we've just sat there we're like, no, we're not outspoken. We don't, uh, <laughs> don't really hold uh, views or opinions that much, mate. And then 20 minutes, we're just talking about it. Aye, sorry. <laughs> it was all good chat, so that's absolutely fine by me. <laughs> you, you've talked about your, your local area, and this nuts got a hell of a lot of coverage in this podcast, but hailing from the same area, the inspiration they must have provided with that number one album. I, again, from following you guys on Twitter, I, I saw the absolute delight that you had. A band from locally had, had conquered the charts. A number one album. Can you talk me through your reaction to the news that they had made number one? <laughs> Mate, I was bouncing off the walls of my house when I found, found out they got a number one, man. I was chucking all eight copies of the album that I bought <laughs> out the window. <laughs> uh, it was, I, it was, a, it's amazing, mate. The stats are obviously they are for our local area, and they, they provide. It's not just us. It's like it's everything that that means. It's everything that them getting their number one stands for it's, it's great it's really cool to us and people from West Lovian but it's just sort of younger bands working class bands maybe maybe did they think that maybe wanted to start a band but didn't think that it's really a viable option in their life well I, I know that it's a rare circumstance but clearly it is if the Snuts can get a number one then do you know what I mean it, it kind of opens the door for anyone does that subsequently change your goals and aspirations as a band Oh, absolutely, mate. So, like, see, like, so just, just on that, like, I was buzzing as well. You're always buzzing to see bands that you know do well. And I think that's the big difference is that sometimes bands can be really competitive and quite snidey, right? I mean, try to one-up each other. No, we're just buzzing. Like, that's amazing. Same when Lewis got his number one in it. You're like, that's amazing, man. The boys from West Lothian that we've played with, that we, you know I mean, that you know are doing that. Like, that's class. But what I reckon happens is they show you what's possible. Like they show you the, the art of the possible and for us it really pushes you on and drives you to do better because you imagine like we, we hopefully release an EP maybe the end of this year and we've got some goals and aspirations as a band that we want to get to and we, we are going to keep going and plugging away and hopefully hitting these goals right but you're constantly going to want to be like right well we want a number one album we want a, you, know, you know what I mean like but without, without being like unrealistic and being like right we want a number one single every single way release no like that you just it just shows you that actually it is viable you know what i mean like what there's no reason that you can't get played on bbc radio one and one of the strangest things is is that like but like we've been playing so imagine imagine us as a band sitting there and me maybe get played on local radio local i'm talking like i mean maybe uh, maybe like i don't even know some of the radio stations right but maybe local west Lothian, maybe maybe just outside west Lothian. We're like, that's amazing, we're getting some airplay. People like a song, class. But then you maybe see another band who's like maybe on BBC Scotland. And you're like, cool, that's good, but I want to be on BBC Scotland. So your next release, like, how do we get there? What do we do? What do we have to do to get there? And then you imagine for us, we get played on BBC Scotland, and we're like, that's amazing. But then it's not sitting in a live lounge on BBC Radio 1. And you're like, ah, I want to be on BBC Radio 1. And it's just, it's just that thing. It's not competitive. It's not like in a bad way. You just want to push yourself because you can see what can be done. And I think a lot of the time is that's lost. You get played on like BBC Scotland and you think you've made it, so you take the foot off the gas. Whether it's for us, we're seeing how hard these bands have to work and these artists have to work to actually keep keep going. And it's not as easy as everybody thinks, but for us, we're like, but we're starting to enjoy the actual process here doing that. You know what I mean? Like, we actually enjoy it. So for us, it's like, right, cool, we've got to keep plugging away. How do we keep levelling up? How do we keep getting better? And 
can we ask these boys for tips, any advice that they've got? And like they do, they sling you like, oh, do this, do that, speak to such and such, or it's just it's just a really good kind of place to be. Like a music scene is brilliant. And like we all like each other, which is good. So, no. Nah. <laughs> do you think that's, that's maybe something that's been extenuated by the, the current circumstances that the, the industry's taken a, a fair done with the lack of, of live music being a, being able to take place so the industry's kind of rallied round and some of that snidiness and bitterness that you mentioned earlier on in that last point has kind of evaporated and what's coming in its place is, is more positivity and yeah you don't you don't you're not going to like every band that you hear but it's not difficult to support someone or give them some encouragement um it takes away some of the bitterness and it's a much nicer scene to, to be a part of, surely, as a result. I I think, um, going back to like the whole Twitter community thing, I've seen more bands bigging each other up than I'd ever seen before, do you know what I mean? Something I've always done, I just love seeing other people doing well. So I, I get I get like a buzz. To see, like I, I might have been more excited for the Snuts getting the number one album than I was than I, I would be for maybe us getting a number one album sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just love seeing people putting in the work and then doing really well. But um, I I think because of the current circumstances, uh, that the, there has been a bit more of a community. More people have got got behind each other to support each other because uh, at the end of the day, everyone's struggling. Even the big artists are struggling. So you you. you I think people are just a bit more connected, especially via, via the social media. It's like we've met bands via our social medias that we would obviously never have met previously. Um, that now we've got like connections with it. When gigs can start happening again, there's definitely going to be gig swaps going on. You know, we'll, we'll be able to go down south and they'll be able to come up here. That 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 those opportunities just wouldn't have wouldn't have been available before. Um, so it, it's it's been great to see. I, I definitely think it is down to the, the current circumstances as well. People are just more willing to help each other out. Yeah, it's great It's great to look on and see as well. And hopefully that means that bands start to, to kind of appreciate that they've got quite obvious shared fan bases at, at times as well. And it only help individual bands grow. And then as a collective, everyone gets a, bit, a, a bigger slice of the pie as well. So it sounds like it's a really positive thing. And in terms of... The inspirations that were behind you guys picking up the instruments and, and starting a band, who would they be? So there's quite a few, to be fair. Um, and it kind of varies. Like It's so strange because like, it's such a weird question. Like, And it really gets you thinking every time you get asked it because you remember another band. Like, oh, I don't know, actually. Um, and for us, for us as a band, like, we've got our own in- individual inspirations. Uh, everybody. I mean, I like the view, uh, Art and Monkeys, that's what made me pick up a guitar. But us as a band, there's probably a couple of bands that really kind of we ins- like we're, we're inspired from. One of them being Gorillaz, right? Just with the whole ethos, uh, what Dave and Alvorn created and how they make music with loads of guest vocalists and loads of working with a million and one different people. That's something that really appealed to us. <laughs> like and also like the fact that it's the wee cartoons and stuff like that that's just like I, I don't know for, for me personally I look at them as like they, they kind of changed how I viewed music and I actually think they're pivotal in what we're doing now because I listen to them like I reference them a lot more than I think ever thought I would if that makes sense but I don't know but don't know about you Zach I totally agree mate and on the gorillas it's their their um their genre mixing as well, do you know what I mean? They, they kind of proved that you can be like a really successful band, that you don't need to stick to the same sounds. And in fact, you can get really quite quite obscure and people are still going to be into you, man. Uh, um, so I, the Gorillaz, for the, in terms of the Dictator Blueprint, bands like Gorillaz, bands like Alt-J, uh, London Grammar has been pro- probably a bigger one recently. It's funny because like, Michael, I don't know if you remember, but one of the first times before we'd actually formed Dictator, but we were talking about trying to maybe start a project together. We were in your flat and we were listening to Jay Dilla. And we were yeah. like, hi, man, like, we, we want to do like Jay Dilla beats and stuff. And the stuff that's a wee bit weird. And like, Jay Dilla's renowned for like playing kind of off the beat in his drums. And like, I will try and do stuff like that. So I, I think the, the Dictator project probably came through really 
uh, obscure inspirations. We just wanted to do weird stuff, man. That was it. We just wanted to be weird. Always people who don't just stick to the one thing, right? Who <laughs> actually feel like, and because a lot of a lot of where we've kind of came from and our our origins are like Arctic Monkeys and a lot of almost lad bands, right? And that's that's fine, but that's we really wanted to kind of challenge ourselves and get away from that. And so actually, it was more hip hop. <laughs> hip-hop than anything else that kind of inspired us because of the way that they create music but then also looking at bands who really push the boat out and incorporate different genres into their music and that Gorillaz is firmly in that Jay Dilla listening to the beats there and it's like really want to try and take that and like could you sing in the top of that type of thing you know what I mean no, that's, that's class it is, it's so diverse and it comes across in a lot of the stuff that that you guys do I'm going to put you in the spot again um it's a question that I normally ask towards the back end of the podcast. And I'm just looking for two or three Scottish acts that perhaps those listening today haven't heard that you would like to kind of give a shout out to or to recommend. It's, it's kind of broadened my horizons asking this question because I've heard now about eight or nine different acts that I never heard of and they're now actually favourited in my Spotify. So <laughs> it, it seems to be working. Um so I'm sorry for putting you guys in the spot, but if you want to go first, Zach. All right, so we've already mentioned Mark Trapp and the Bicycle Thieves, but if you haven't already checked them out, yeah, definitely check them out. They're, they're absolutely amazing. We owe them a lot. They've given us a lot of opportunities at the very start of what we were doing. And uh, aye, we've got loads of time for them in our music class. Another West Lovian act. In fact, I'm going to give you another two West Lovian acts, right? And then I'll call it at that. And Michael can give you some. Uh, the... The Catons, or I think you pronounce it the, the Catons, uh, they just released a song the same day as us um, when we released Hide and Seek, and it's an absolute banger. I think we've only got a couple of tunes out, but both songs are class. So definitely check out the, the Catons. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. And and Sylvie as well. So in our conversation, I don't know if we were recording it, mate, but we were talking about Sylvie, and I think they've been brought up in your previous podcasts as well. But uh, they're like a, an electronic duo from West Lovian who... I feel like are, uh, are, are kind of similar to us in some ways. Definitely seem to be pushing pushing the, the genre boundaries. Um, so I definitely check out Sylvia as well. Probably yourself, Michael. Steal all of them, Zach. Why don't you? Eh? Nah, uh, to, to, to be <laughs> fair, um, another West Lovian act, Lavolpe. Um, if you oh, look at him, he's, he's, he's on, the, on the way to, to great things. Um, and again, he, he's, they've given us a lot of... Like, well, the band are sound is in it. Like they really are same as anything. So, so it's looked like, but I just uh, really, really like the boys. I uh, hope they do really, really well this year. Um, so if you're not listening to them, check them out. Um, another one as well. Uh, he's actually, he's actually been quite a, a champion uh, on on Twitter and stuff like that. Is it's PG Charletta? I think I've said that right. Um, who's just released a new song as well. So it's worthwhile checking that out. Um, I think, I think that's kind of from my perspective. Not to overload you. That's enough. <laughs> I could go in for days. Exactly. I know. I was looking through our last playlist, that, like, and I'm like, there's loads, but just that's who I would recommend. Guys, I'd like to finish off by firstly thanking you both for your time tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, we've went into some some areas that I didn't have on the, the script, and I think that's uh, a sign of a, a really good conversation. I wish you guys all the very best going forward. I'm absolutely loving Hide and Seek and fingers crossed for that big radio play over the weekend because, as I say, you deserve all the success in the world. Thank you very much for having us, Andy, mate. Um, can I just say, it's, it's re- it really is um, it's really a, quite an honour because I was looking at your previous guests and they're all like, you've got Colonel, uh, you've got David Blair for Colonel Mustard and, and Jim Gellity and the, the Capos. They're all like way, you know, they've got a much bigger influence on us. So thank you for taking the time to actually invite us on and, and tell our wee story as well. So appreciated. No, it's, it's my absolute pleasure. And, and just for those listening that, that may not have heard the band, where would you recommend they, they check you out in terms of social media and, and perhaps uh, a YouTube channel as well? So you can check us out on Instagram, uh, at Dictator Band. Um, you can also go onto our Twitter, which is uh, D-I-C-T-V-T-O-R, because funnily enough, there was no remaining dictator usernames on Twitter. Um, you can also stream our music on pretty much every single major 
um, streaming platform. Uh, Spotify is always a good one because that helps us boost the streams up. Um, but you can check us out on Amazon Music and everywhere else. Thanks again, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, mate. Been a pleasure. You've been listening to the Scottish Indie Podcast. We'll be back in a fortnight's time. Until then, thank you and goodbye.